Welcome to Alembic Strategy. Our Meaningful Human Leadership Conference is coming up and I am hugely excited to uh, be interviewing one of our key speakers, Dr. Amina Aitsi-Salmi, who has written a rather wonderful blog article on our website in preparation for the conference. Hello, Amina. Hello. Hi, Nick. Hi. Hi Tell everyone. everyone a little bit about you. So my name is Amina Aitsi-Salmi. I'm a doctor by background, a medical doctor. Uh, I specialize in global health policy. And now I um, coach leaders, entrepreneurs, doctors, professionals, scientists, and I help them throw out their five-year plans and focus on what energizes them. And that usually helps them um, achieve better outcomes for them and their organizations. So I'm completely delighted to have you as a speaker at our conference. I absolutely can't wait. So we're going to talk a bit about that in a minute. But um, um, the blog that you wrote was excellent. And I just thought it'd be great for you and I just to talk it over. Um, so, uh, folks, you can go to our website there, www.alembicstrategy.com, and just click on the blog link, and you'll find Amina's article up front if you want to read the whole thing. Really fabulous um, uh, uh, piece of writing on meaning in the machine world, and three great tips that we're going to come on to. But I just wanted to pick out um, this this word disruptive. Uh, we were talking about the humans at work. Uh, leaders um, and team and um, this uh, idea of the dichotomy between being the disruptive and being the disrupted so everyone everyone in their business model these days is looking to disrupt but what what does it mean to be disrupted and how do we cope with that because I think you know everyone can see that through the industrial revolution disruption is now sort of entering almost every sphere of life and so you know what, tell us about that well, that's a, a huge topic, Nick, <laughs> um, but obviously a very important one. And disruptions, um, uh, kind of buzzword going around at the moment because of technology and um, AI and all these things, um, which means that organizations can't rely on their structures for too long. Um, there are no job descriptions that can last very long. So there's a sense of constant change. And with constant change comes a sense of uncertainty. And as humans, we don't like uncertainty very much. We prefer comfort. So there's a call for us uh, as humans to try and make sense of this and try to be with that uncertainty without losing our heads and our hearts completely. Um, so this is where I think um, there are some changes that could be made uh, in organizations, by leaders, and by every individual to be in this new world, in this new environment, in a way that's sane and healthy and helps us to continue to work. You got some, you got some absolutely fantastic tips, but just, um, we'll come on to those in just a second, but um, in, in you know, just staying here with the title, um, I think we uh, are seeing in business a need to stay competitive and keep that competitive edge, but technology is key to that, and at the same time, it has unforeseen negative side effects for the workforce, because, you know, we talked about disruption over the ages, you know, from the sort of classic um, weavers, maybe you could take mining, maybe you could take sort of manufacturing, and now we're talking about thinking. So maybe the potential mm -hmm. in the next 10 to 20 years is actually the machines do quite a lot of the thinking, they already do. Um, so, you know, the, the, it's great and it's exciting and it's vibrant and the world is changing rapidly around us at the same time we have to deal with what happens to the people. Yeah, 
And um, I referenced the uh, report by McKinsey and Co. of 46 countries um, where they've estimated that up to 30% of work activities could be automated by 2030 and that jobs will look significantly different. So the jobs we have today might not exist, there might be new jobs or the jobs will look very different. Um, so that's certainly a challenge. It doesn't mean we don't require thinking, um, but we might be to, need to be more refined about what thinking we do, what thinking can be done by machines. If you can put something in an algorithm, then a machine probably can do it. But that that's not creative thinking. So um, that's definitely something that humans can still claim as their own, I think, at this stage. Um, that creative ideation, being able to pull ideas out of thin air and go to the moon um, will still be the preserve of humans for the foreseeable future, I think. I'm sure there are people, other ex experts would disagree, but certainly um, I know that some experts do think that is what differentiates us, is that creative ideation. I think we sort of see also, just uh, going back to the human condition, um, we're starting to talk about the space where there might still be relevancy, but in the human condition there's um, a, a huge uh, in, increase in the sort of fluidity of life in um, the modern age, and maybe we're entering this sort of age of the disrupted, where all the certainties of the past are disappearing, and the mindset, you know, of the human being in the workforce in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years has to get used to the idea that everything is uncertain and mm. all the past certainties have moved on and everything's become fluid. And I think that's kind of like where your article is pushing us to think, what do we do about that? How do we, how do we as human beings respond? And I really love this first one. So your, your um, great first shout out was an encouragement and uh, this idea that uh, one of the things that we really need to get our heads around is continuous personal, personal growth. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. So, uh, well, in a sense, life is always, has always been uncertain, but we've been shielded by it uh, from it over the last 100, 150 years or so, as our quality of life improved and our material life improved. So the uncertainty has always been there, and there are periods of life where we do face that uncertainty. Uh, but instead of that being um, occasional, uh, we might have to start seeing it as something more perpetual, yeah. uh, which puts us in more direct contact with real life. It is always changing. Um, it's a constant process. There's nothing really fixed about life. That's just our imagination. So um, kind of coming back down to earth a little bit um, and seeing that this is natural uh, and tapping into our higher cognitive faculties um, and dealing with the uncertainty that looks threatening but might not be. Mm. Um, and I want to make clear that, that I don't think that's a task. That's just the onus isn't just on individuals, it's also on organizations and leaders to make sure the culture encourages this kind of adaptability and growth, but providing the resources and the environment for that, not expecting it to just be a private endeavor. I thought it's quite interesting. You made the point about the need for um, psychological safety in your article here. Mm to encourage people to sort of really commit to the um, constant change. Yeah, and there's a vicious cycle that's set up um, when you have a feeling, when people experience uncertainty, that they uh, retreat into themselves and they, the survival mechanisms come up. And that uh, creates an a competitive environment 
and, uh, and feeds into a culture that is, doesn't feel very safe or where you feel you might be attacked or dismissed or fired at any point for the smallest mistake. Um, and so that you don't you don't feel psychologically safe to really discuss your real challenges, um, your real issues, uh, and that can be a risk both for the individual but also for the organisation. Interesting sur survey that you showed as well, which showed that um, actually sort of pushing on into high performing teams, um, psych sense of psychological safety, like the idea that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to fail, um, really important part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that there's research, and uh, I mentioned Project Aristotle, where psychological safety was the number one factor for high-performing teams. It's not talent. It's not the combination of talent. Um, it was this feeling that the team had that they'd be able to really um, speak about their experience. Um, yeah. That seemed to be the magic ingredient. I think we talk about this a lot. I'm just going to move on to the next idea. So this uh, concept of, um, uh, you know, um, uh, fight, flight and fear, which is just core to the human. We were chatting earlier on, Amina, about the um, state of the human being, being a sort of um, evolved um, lower tier predator that's somehow managed to get to the apex and is kind of like a frightened, uh, frightened lion. Um, you know, um, theoretically, at the top of the of the of the um, of the of the chain of predators, but but not used, not adapted to being there, and constantly in the sense of um, fear. But mm -hmm. um, just uh, taking the Project Aristotle idea on a little bit further, your next point is about becoming more entrepreneurial, which obviously requires people to be okay with the idea of loss. Yes. So the entrepreneurial mindset is fantastic in dealing with uncertainty. That's what entrepreneurs are great at. They um, have big ideas, they dream big, and then they go and make it happen. But they take huge risks, uh, financial, material, psychological, um, on, on that journey. Um, and it's um, also got an in innovation function in the economy. So entrepreneurs help to make sure new products, new services, new things happen within a stable capitalist economy. So um, I think we'll see more of that um, uh, in the future. And I can I can see how it's helped me and it's helped other uh, of my clients. And I've seen research on it as well saying that adopting this mindset is really helpful in dealing with this age of disruption and um, uncertainty because you're kind of instead of running away from risk and uncertainty you're embracing it yeah. and turning it into an opportunity to create and innovate and certainly with them um, um, leading people we found this to be a hugely valuable idea for some um, where um, the opportunity ahead um, has been disrupted and so there's a need to um, you know, pick up on this concept of entrepreneurialism and actually create the new and get teams involved in genuinely entrepreneurial projects at work or help them learn that so that it's much more fluid as to, you know, where their career might go uh, after a certain point. Um, and um, we're seeing people do that. We've been involved in a couple of projects recently where clients have been looking at taking a senior exec and placing them in an entrepreneurial space within the business or even outsourcing that and investing in that. And then also taking teams, um, maybe not quite at that senior space, but just um, taking them away from their core tasks and, um, you know, um, getting them engaged with really interesting, innovative customer service type projects, which do require an entrepreneurial approach to make, make them work. And the amount of learning that is going into those projects is intense. 
Um, obviously, could be used in any space thereafter. So from a career development point of view, it's amazing. Um, and still a win-win, I would say. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think if more of those case studies or um, findings are shared, I think it'll encourage other leaders. Uh, again, bringing us back to this idea of psychological safety, so you can try and fail, but it's not really failure because it's learning, um, and be able to talk about it. I think that's really important in um, a culture of continuous learning and growth. Which kind of takes us on to your last point in your blog, which is um, the idea of what can leaders reform and this idea we should look out for toxic work culture and reform that. So um, tell us about that, Amina. So again, coming back to the idea we were discussing earlier, which is um, elaborated on in um, Noah Yuval Harari's book, Sapiens, um, that we uh, we were at the bottom of the food chain and, some, and the cognitive revolution happened about 70,000 years ago and suddenly we were able to ideate and create uh, shared myths and uh, cultures and we invented things and now we have a, uh, a finger over a, a nuclear button but we haven't quite evolved to understand we're not really unsafe <laughs> that we're at the top of the food chain now and we're potentially destroying our environment um, so uh, reforming cultures uh, away from something that's very competitive that's uh, rooted in these survival behaviors that are completely maladaptive really and creating a safety for people to take risks and innovate and have space to adapt to whatever's going on and turning that into opportunity. I think uh, is a core function of leaders um, and will result in a healthier culture. I mean, you've seen this, haven't you, through um, some of the big organizations that you've been involved with, which um... And you talk about some of the negative side effects of toxic work culture where it's over competitive. Um, mm. So, just tell me about some of the things that you see in people. That... Well, the sense that you have to keep running or you'll fall through the cracks sure. and there's no safety net yeah. is extremely damaging and needs people to um, do more than they can and sacrifice important things. And then it's a vicious cycle because the important things in your life have been stripped away and you're left with this on this hamster wheel <laughs> uh, to nowhere. Um, so uh, recently there was talk of moral injury. Um, it's a, an expression that's been used in the military um, industry, but someone's transposed it. It's been transposed to the healthcare industry. And that if you're in an environment where you're constantly pushed beyond your limits and pushed to, to compromise on values of, uh, care and compassion and empathy and collaborativeness uh, to be able to deliver results, um, then you're going to, um, there's going to be problems. And that's not acceptable. Um, yeah, uh, so um, uh, really uh, three fantastic ideas from, from you. If uh, folks want to go and um, read more about what Amina has to say on these things, then um, jump up on our website and just click on the blog and you can find it there. So it's three big tips. So leaders can encourage personal growth. And I love your point about uh, learning being something that um, doesn't appreciate, um, supporting the entrepreneurial mindset and really getting people into much wider and greater learning and also into the concept of how, how risk plays a part in, in all of that. Um, and then um, looking out for that toxic work culture with really negative side effects for, for folks and um, looking to reform uh, any toxic work culture that, uh, that you find. 
Um, it's really fantastic ideas and um, very exciting kind of general conversation, which we're going to pick up on and elaborate on in a much wider sense with loads of examples of how to at uh, the conference coming up in the summer. We're coming to hear you at, um, at the Meaningful Human Leadership Conference in MENA on the 12th of June. So tell, us, tell us a little bit about what you're going to be covering. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I really look forward to it. Um, so I was going to um, do a transposition from the healthcare sector into the wider business sector. Um, so using a model um, called the mortality and morbidity uh, meeting or audit, which as you can imagine, uh, it can be, um, uh, it's going to involve some difficult conversations because you're essentially talking about life and death issues and mm. you're talking about individuals who um, have responsibility in uh, the life or death of a patient. Um, so huge psychological safety is needed to be able to have those conversations. Um, so I was going to bring that model and see if we can um, use that in a business setting, in a wider business setting. It's not necessarily life or death, but it might be something else. So what is your organizational culture doing and how many burnouts is it responsible for? How, many, how much moral injury is it responsible for? And sure. have a very safe, honest conversation around that um, so um, uh, we can move forward. I think that's going to be amazing. Um, I think it's hugely needed. And um, for me, um, you know, the the level of conversation you need to have in that environment where you know people are people are likely to die if you get it wrong, there's a there's a compelling need and an urgency which raises the bar in terms of the quality of the conversation you're prepared to have. I don't think that that's seen much across the business space. But just imagine if you could take your meaningful conversations in terms of leading challenging, difficult, tough projects to that kind of level, what level of learning you could get if you could crack through and get to the real vulnerabilities, the real honesty, which is, and we talk about radical candor, radical honesty, the the truth which allows people to work out how to move forwards with things, yeah. Um, yeah. which has to be done in a certain environment. It's really tough to do that, but amazing feedback and incredible learning if you can get there. So that sounds mm-hmm. massively exciting. I definitely want to come and listen to you speak about that. If you enjoyed that conversation, folks, um, uh, come onto our website and read Amina's blog and you'll find a page for the conference where you can click and have a look around and see who else is speaking and register. Um, if you're a client, then there's a client discount available for you. Um, if you want a block booking, just get in touch and we can give, um, we can give discounts for block bookings. So um, we hope to see you at the conference and we can hear more from the wonderful Amina. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Nick. I look forward to the conference.